Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett. My passion for football and pushing boundaries has helped me to create a successful business using the same performance building principles of the world's best players. Through my Move the Ball book, workshops, and consulting work, I've used the same system to help thousands of people to think and execute like a pro athlete when it comes to business and branding. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize those tools and strategies to elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. So get ready. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, everyone. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball movement for quite some time, welcome back. As you all know, on this podcast, we talk about business, branding, sports, and of course, how to move the ball. This episode is part of my special Path to the Draft series, where I am having conversations with NFL draft prospects on their path to the draft. Now, if you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, make sure that you do so so that you never miss an episode. I've got a great lineup of guests planned for this show this season, and there's also been a number of amazing draft class members featured as part of the series. So be sure to go check them all out. And of course, I've got a great guest here with us today too, inside the huddle and ready to share his story and talk about his path to the draft is Deontay Williams. Deontay is a defensive back who just finished his college football career playing for the University of Nebraska. During this past season, Deontay started in all eight games that he played in, where he totaled 46 tackles, two tackle for losses, TFLs, four interceptions, and three pass breakups. Despite missing four games this last season, Deontay still ranked 11th nationally because of those four interceptions. And prior to playing at Nebraska, Deontay played college ball at Jones County Junior College. We will talk about all of that and more on today's episode. Deontay, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm very grateful. Well, I'm glad that we're getting to chat today. You've got a great story. How are you? No, very firm. Just trying to stay grinding like I've been in a situation before. So we're in season three of the Move the Ball podcast. And throughout each of the seasons, I've had the opportunity to have some great Nebraska players on the show. On this path to the draft series, for example, back in season one, I had Carlos and Khalil Davis on, who are both playing in the league today. Then last season, I had some Nebraska legends on, like Mickey Joseph and Tyrone Hughes. And then also last season, I had Stanley Morgan Jr. on, who, as you know, set a number of records at Nebraska, and he's also currently playing in the league with the Cincinnati Bengals. So Nebraska is definitely getting some great representation on the show, and I'm so glad to to have you with us today, and I'm excited to get into our chat. So where I want to kick off our conversation, Deontay, is just discussing how you got into football. You're from Jacksonville, Florida. When was the first time you suited up or picked up a football, and what about it made you fall in love with the game? Fall in love with the game come from me watching my dad and his journey. He played in the NFL as well, so I used to always go to his games. And following my dad, I just fell in love with the game. I had a passion with the game since I was young, young, out the womb. So my family always gave me football presents. I was playing with football papers. Like, I rip up paper, play football with them when I was like two years old, stuff like that. And when my mama tried to throw it away, I'd be telling her, that's my football players and stuff like that. So I always had a love for the game. And watching my dad journey, it just made me more fall in love with it. And was there something specifically about the sport that you really enjoyed? Well, I love the old school players, the guys that's more aggressive. There wasn't no head-to-head contact back then. So I used to always fall in love with 
the big hits, the ooh hits, and scoring touchdowns. There's no feeling like scoring a touchdown and celebrating. For sure. And so you mentioned your dad. Your dad was a third-round pick in the 2002 NFL draft, played in the league for a couple of years. How has he influenced you on your journey and as you're getting ready for the draft? He just told me, don't make the mistakes that he made. Also, just believe in yourself. Don't doubt yourself. Because once you doubt yourself, you won't reach your goals that you want. Other than that, he, he's just been a blessing to me, been a mentor to me on his journey. And I'm very grateful to have him and very blessed to have him. That confidence is such an important part of being able to perform at that high level as well. And so I'm like you in a certain way in that I've been a student of the game of football since I was four. I did not grow up in a football family, so got into it a little bit different. But what really started this whole move the ball movement was I wrote a book on football years before the podcast. And I talked about in that book different principles and strategies I had taken away from the game to help be successful in overcoming whatever you go through in life and to have a great business career, a great life, et cetera. When you look at the game of football, what are some of the lessons that you've taken away from the sport that you think will be helpful for you to be successful in this next chapter of playing professional ball? Basically, not everything going to go your way. Sometimes you might have a down year. Sometimes you might have a great year. It's just how you build and how you progress over, over adversity. Either you grow or either you fold. That's why I say either you grow or either you fold. And I'm that type of person that always want to grow. Grow mentally, grow physically, grow as a leader on the football field, grow as a player grow into my craft that I've been working on since I was a little boy, believing in myself and stuff like that. Yeah, I really like that. People, as you know, talk about how football is a parallel to life. And there's so many metaphors. And no matter what season you're playing, whether it's a football season or it's a season, a chapter in our lives, things aren't always going to go our way. And so knowing how to tackle that adversity and overcome that end to move the ball, as I would like to say, is very important. And those that are successful know how to do it well. Just basically just moving forward with everything. Absolutely. Now you play defensive back. When you look at the safety position in your mind, what are the skills necessary to excel at this position? And secondly, what makes you elite at it? Basically, you got to have the smarts. You got to have the brain to play the safety position. Safety position, you basically a quarterback of the defense. You call calls, you make checks to the other players. You make sure your defensive back unit and your linebackers is in the best position to make a play as possible. And also you got to be physical because you got to come down just like a linebacker. Also, you got to be quick. You got to guard the short guys in the slot. You got to have it all to play the safety position. You got to be very versatile to play the safety position, especially nowadays. For sure. And what makes you elite at this position? And me knowing where the play going to go, me knowing, knowing where the ball is going to go. Basically, just I'm always around the ball, so that would make me elite. So let's talk about college football. You started off at Jones County Junior College. How was playing at the JUCO level? How has that helped you prepare for going D1 and then as you progress into this next chapter of playing professional football? Well, basically, JUCO just let me know that there's no quitting. You came from a long way to JUCO life in Mississippi, a small city, really nothing there. And you just kept grinding and stuff like that. But what JUCO helped me do is when people used to go home because they was from Mississippi, I used to always be at the school. So that's me getting extra time on the football field. And so basically that just prepared me to work extra harder than everybody else. And look where it got me now. Yeah. And so in 2017, you ended up having 26 tackles, had two interceptions, two forced fumbles, helped your team to an eight and two record and made an appearance in the playoffs. So very well done. Definitely that hard work paid off on the field. 
So let's transition to you going to D1. When you were coming out of JUCO, you were ranked among the nation's top 30 junior college prospects by 24-7 sports composite rankings. You were also named by them as the nation's number two junior college safety. You ended up choosing Nebraska, obviously, over schools like Florida, Ole Miss, Central Florida. Why Nebraska? It's a long story, but long story short, I was committed to Florida. Michael Wayne got fired that year. Dan Muller ended up being the coach. Dan Muller was at Mississippi State. I did not show him no interest. I wasn't trying to stay in Mississippi, so he dropped my offer. He dropped my offer, so I had other schools. But I was looking at UCF, and I was about to take a visit. And DB coach at UCF, Coach Fish, the coach that coached me at Nebraska, he was real close friends with my dad's best friend. And my dad's best friend is Roy Emerson. He's the Minnesota Viking DB coach right now. They was talking on the phone. He was letting them know about me. And we got on the phone 2 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning. He was like, don't get on the flight to UCF. I'm going to Nebraska. Come to Nebraska with me. So I took the flight to Nebraska at 9 o'clock in the morning instead of going 6 o'clock in the morning to UCF. That was bad on me, like professional-wise, because I could have told UCF I wasn't coming no more. So I basically fell in love with Nebraska, though. So I chose Nebraska. And what about Nebraska really excites you? The fans, man. The fans treat you like family here. The program, the tradition itself, this is a high-tier prestige program. So I fell in love with it. And I'll be forever Cornhuskers. So let's talk about your first year playing college football at Nebraska. What was that like for you? Basically, it's just me trying to find my way in. Coming in, it was three seniors, safeties. So I had to compete against them every day in practice. Just compete against them every day in practice just to make myself better, just to make my game better, just to learn from them, pick their heads. Also, them guys also mentored me. Them guys also gave me advice on how should I treat college life by being a professional, being a professional on the field and being a professional off the field. Basically, I was just trying to find my way as a leader on this team. That was my first year. Okay. And in the 2019 season, you ended up starting in the game against South Alabama, but ended up having an injury that ended up being a season-ending injury. Tell us about how that came to be. And then how was your mental state when you were going through that recovery process? It hurts. That year was my growing point. It hurts. Like, you don't ever want to get hurt if you was expecting to have a big year. And everybody was saying that you were going to have a big year. And you got hurt and you out for the whole season. But also, it was a blessing as well because I had my son that year too, my first son that year. So I really sat down, just thought about life. It's okay as a human to cry sometimes, you know what I'm saying? And me, I'm very religious. And I'd be asking God, like, God, why? Why this? Why this? Why that? But it's always a plan that God has. And sometimes you don't see that plan because we're human as itself and we sometimes we stubborn sometimes we get the big head and sometimes God just need to sit you down just to let you realize that it's more things in football than life you know what I'm saying so basically I had my son that year it was a blessing and then like me myself came from JUCO you know what I'm saying so I could come from anything I felt like if I came from JUCO I could come from anything so I just took that injury as adversity and I attacked it and I came back strong and fast And as you know, being a better player doesn't just take place on the football field. There's a lot of preparation that goes on outside of that in the weight room, the film room, just by being on the sideline too and observing the game. How does this injury help you to become a better player? Basically, just me looking at the game from a different standpoint, looking at the game on the sideline, watching other players, looking at their mistakes and figuring out how I'm not going to make that mistake when I'm back. 
also watching more film because I can't practice, I can't play. So I'm basically, I'm just soaking my brain in with a lot of mental things like the playbook and also how to be a leader without playing. That also helped too. So that injury helped so much and it was really a growing point in my life. And what were you doing to be a leader and to be a contributor while you were on the sideline? Just build my teammates up. They mess up on the play, build them up, like get rid of that play. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Erase that short-term memory type deal. Also telling them, what's coming on this play because I when you watch the game you could tell when the offense about to run the same play again so that's me telling them do this check right here on the sideline me yelling do this check right here so you can make a play and boom man sometimes it works sometimes it don't you know but it helps to have your teammates to trust you while you're not playing on the sideline to listen to you you know what I'm saying while they in the game that helped in a big way Absolutely. And so fast forwarding into the 2020 season, you ended up playing in all the games made seven starts. It was a shortened season because of this COVID year that we all had to go through. It was a time when all of us were forced to adapt and adjust and figure out kind of how to navigate in a new environment. What was that like for you? It was just basically just like everybody else. It just caught everybody else off guard. So we didn't know if we was going to play or we was not going to play. So basically, you got to get in shape, football shape. And sometimes when we was getting football shape, they say we're not having the season. So we back out of shape. So basically, it was just a, a toss-up year. Me, myself, I didn't play how I wanted to play because I wasn't prepared. But everybody probably felt the same way. It was just a weird year, just catching people off guard with the COVID stuff and all that. It was definitely a crazy, weird year for all of us, for sure. You ended up finishing... That season with 51 tackles, four TFLs, a sack, four pass breakups, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. What were you doing right to ensure that you were showing out every Saturday? Just staying positive, just staying in the playbook, just being a leader that I want to be around my teammates. Same preparation, but like I said, it was just a weird year. It just caught everybody off guard, so... I wasn't as ready as I needed to be. And fast forwarding to 2021, when I mentioned your bio earlier, I shared that you had four interceptions that tied 11th nationally. I think that as a competitive athlete and someone who's just competitive in life, you're always looking to improve, right? Get that 1% better, look at how you can be a better version of yourself. And so as you looked at going from the 2020 season to this past season, what were some of the things you were really focused on improving upon so that you could have the stats that you did and do so well? Just relax and play. You know what I'm saying? I've been doing this for a long time. Pop Warner, when I was telling you when I was two years old, I used to rip papers up and play football. with them. Just play. Be confident in yourself. Don't doubt your game. Like I said, 2020 season, it was a weird year. So I was thinking too much. I wanted on my game like I usually be, like just be confident and just go out there and play and have fun. But the 2021 year, I made sure I just had fun because it was my last ride with the guys that I played with. And look what happened. But it fell short to an injury. I was trying to lead the country in interceptions that year, be an All-American, but it fell short to an injury. But that injury didn't hinder me from nothing. It was all, like I said, God always had a plan. And you might not see through the plan. You might ask questions like why, but it's always going to work out at the end. I ended up having four picks. Could have had more. I was aiming for 10 that year. It was just a great year for me as a football player. Just built that confidence a little more, you know what I'm saying? A little more on myself. Just let me know that I'm still who I say I am. And so the time has come that you've hung up 
those college football cleats and you're getting ready for the draft. I know you were down to MJP in Texas doing some training. Share with us what your routine was like during that pre-draft training. What were you focused on getting ready for your pro day? I'm a Florida boy, so I always had speed, but I didn't have the right technician of the speed that I have because I never ran track. I always was a wild runner, but I always had speed. I was making sure the coaches get me right on that with the running technique of a track runner. Basically, and then the guys that I worked out with, we always competed in anything. We always competed in a 10-yard dash. We always competed in a 40. We always competed in a bench. We always competed in a shuttle. We always competed in a three-cone drill. So it's just having that, I knew I was going to have a great pro day. Let's get to pro day. March 22nd was Nebraska's pro day. You ended up running a 448 in the 40, which was Nebraska's second fastest of the day. Ended up setting a record. You broke your own record for the shuttle from last fall, ended up having a 3.9 second shuttle. What was pro day experience like for you? Just me having fun, just me showing the scouts that I'm very athletic. I'm a freakish athletic player with smarts and brain, and I could basically do anything. That's just me just having fun out there. And it was an extra special day for you. You mentioned that you have a two-year-old, but also that day you had a newborn baby that you welcomed into the world. So you went straight from Hawks Championship Center to the hospital to have a new baby boy. So congratulations. And I guess the important question is, are you getting any sleep? No. <laughs> That's part of it, though. That's part of being the dad. You ain't going to get no sleep in the first month. But once you get the routine down, once you get the schedule down, then it'll be easier. But Right now, I'm not getting no sleep because all he want to do is eat. He just want to eat, eat, eat. Hopefully, he'll let you get some sleep here sometime soon. So, Deontay, before I get to my two-minute drill and ask you some fun questions, I want to ask you one other thing. If a team were to say, Deontay, why should I pick you over someone else? How would you answer that question? Because I'm a professional. I'm a professional on the field and I'm a professional off the field. And I'm a guy that's going to step in and find his way in to become the leader of the team. Then you got a dog. <laughs> you got a dog. You got a dog out there on the field. So I got to like to compete. Good answer. So now I'm going to take you through my two-minute drill. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. First question is, outside of football, what do you like to do? I like to play video games. I like to play with my sons. I like to write poetry. That's about it. I'm a very quiet guy. I, I hate center of attention, so I try to stay out of the way. What is one thing most people don't know about you? Basically, I like to write poetry. Everybody be so amused. They be like, you do? <laughs> that's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, interesting. So yeah, that's one thing people don't know about me. What three words would you use to describe yourself? Handsome. <laughs> Athletic. Smart. Okay. If you had one intro song played at all of your public appearances, what would it be? It would be Phil Collins. I can feel it. What is the best piece of advice that you've been given by a coach? Availability. If you're available, that's when the coach needs you. You know what I'm saying? If you're not available, what have you done for me lately? My DB coach used to tell me that all the time. What have you done for me lately? And when you go to the league, it's going to be, what have you done for me lately? Is you progressing? Is you getting better? Availability is one piece of advice that I took from my DB coach. And I'm going to flip it now and ask, what's the best piece of advice that you would give someone? Don't doubt yourself. Never doubt yourself. Play your cards that have given to you. Roll the dice on your ability. Don't never doubt yourself. Everything, it might not go the way that you wanted to go, but it will plan how it was always presented into the future. So just believe in God and God have a plan for you. My last question is you're hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people, living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? 
Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali is my all-time greatest athlete. Muhammad Ali, because all the stuff he did out the ring and in the ring. So Muhammad Ali, LeBron James, a big LeBron James fan. I just like how to wait his charisma. I just like his leadership. I just like his athleticism. He a freak just like I am. And he's 37 years old, still doing the same thing. So I think he's the greatest basketball player right now. No disrespect to Michael Jordan. I think Michael Jordan is number two right now because nobody never done what LeBron James have done. So that's my number two. And number three, I'll go with Adam Sandler. That's my favorite actor. Funny guy. I would love to just sit around with him, talk some jokes, just just have a nice conversation with him. So that's my favorite actor. I love comedy movies. And he's one of those actors that I really like to watch. Yeah, he's definitely entertaining and funny for sure. All right. So the next question is, do you sing in the shower? It depends. It depends. Like, if I'm bumping rap music, no. But if I'm bumping R&B or gospel music, yes, I'm singing in the shower. All right. So as we look to close the show, Deontay, let people know, where can they follow you? Where are you at on social media? Duh underscore Elcon 8 on Instagram, on Twitter. I will still rise. And that was a poem. Nice. We will be sure to have those in the show notes so people can follow you on your journey. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Deontay. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Yes, for sure. More pleasure to have you on with us inside the huddle. And we wish you much success in this next chapter. And thanks again to everyone for listening to today's episode. If you have not yet done so, hit that subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. And also share the show with a friend or two or three. It's one way that you can help me to move the ball. All right. Thanks so much. And we will catch you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball in your business, with your brand or your career, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.